The first item I have for you is that even the wrong goal leads to the right place. Even the wrong goal leads to the right place. What that pithy statement means is that so often your number one issue is that you don't have a goal. You're not pursuing anything. And I can assure you that in the absence of a goal, that means your goal is nothing. Your goal is nothing. You will achieve nothing. Mission accomplished. So the best thing that you can do is to actually identify a goal and get to work on it. And here's the magic. Even if your goal is the wrong pursuit, if you stay consistent walking down that path, during your pursuit of that goal, you will engage in self-discovery, skill building, meeting the right people, all things that will help you make a pivot to the correct goal. One short anecdote I can give you is that when I started my first profitable technology company, the business model was wrong. But in my pursuit of making that company successful, I figured out what the true business model should be, what the right product should be, and we made a pivot to the correct thing. And only in walking down that path of pursuing that goal with focus, vigor, consistency, did I meet the right persons, engage the right thinking to actually lead me to the correct goal. So a goal is better than no goal. The wrong goal is better than no goal. All of those things point you in the right direction. So having a goal is critically important. And remember, you can't pursue five things at once. At best, I recommend you have two goals. Only two things you've decided to be dedicated to. I always have a money goal. So for example, I might have a goal of I want to make $80,000 in five days. So I want to make $80,000 in five days is my financial goal. Don't ever put your goal out farther than four months because beyond that, the human mind is not really real. So if you have a big goal, chop it up and ask yourself, what's the four-month version of this? I promise you, if you achieve the four-month version on a consistent basis, you'll achieve the five-year version. But five years is fantasy. It's future. That time may never come. So another thing that I often reference are friends, but people are often asking me, Mark, how do I meet the right people? How do I meet these intelligent, ambitious people so that I can be among the birds of my feather or the birds whose feather I would like to have? Well, saints, that's why you pick a goal draw that line in the sand and start pursuing it. You meet those people on the way to success. Those are the people that you collaborate with, you network with, because guess what? Especially as males, males don't make friends just to be buddy, buddy. Whereas women might say, Hey, let's go to the spa. Let's get our nails done. Let's do this. Let's have some pampering. Truly social. There's no outcome oriented thing related to their friend and social activities. Men, conversely, we generally work together. That's how we build bonds by creating products and services or collaborating together. So that's one of the things you have to understand about building those connections. You did. Now, another thing that you need to be conscious of is that positioning is key. When I mention positioning, what I mean by that is there are always options of how. What you do is rarely creative, but how you do it is where you find the magic. So for example, you wanna exercise. You could run on a treadmill, 
indoors staring at a wall in your gym and meet no one while you're doing it, run three miles on a treadmill. Or you could say to yourself, you know what? I'm gonna run three miles outside, get some sun, get some sunlight. And I'm gonna run three miles in one direction and I'm gonna walk the way back. And I'm gonna make sure that I do it in a nice neighborhood. So on the way out, I get to see abundance and prosperity. And on my way back, I might run into someone or I might meet someone worth knowing on the way back, going through this wealthy neighborhood. Positioning. You could work at home, cooped up in your house, isolated during COVID-19, or you could position yourself in the lobby of your luxury apartment or in a very upscale cafe and do your work and have the opportunity to meet other people and engage interesting folks and be social. Positioning. You don't meet people by accident. You actually have to go outside. So few of you want to go outside. So positioning is absolutely critical. And the importance of being able to position yourself is really based on your constant focus on that. You have to keep your thinking cap on because so many of you are going through life thoughtlessly. Turns out this is chess, not checkers. And in chess, you need to be planning your moves out. When you encounter someone, you should be able to make a quick assessment of who they are. You don't want to give them an interview. They're not trying to get a job with you. The way I assess people is based on their goals. The first person I assess is myself looking in the mirror. Mark Platt, what are your goals? My goal is to make $80,000 within five days. And my other goal is fill in the blank. Fantastic. You should be thinking of, writing down, rewriting your goals every single day. It should always be at the top of your mind and the tip of your tongue. And when you encounter other people, you can assess them by if they even have any goals that they can state clearly. Because if they can't state the goal clearly, they don't have any. That doesn't mean you have to throw the person away. Maybe you might share your goals and start to lead them down the process of life change. And when you ask me, Mark, what do I say to a woman? A knowledgeable man has so many more things he can say to a woman. And that knowledge you should be bringing to bear in everything you do. Here's the thing. Most people are not learning new things. They're not doing new things. They're stuck in a pattern. So when you're on the pursuit of a goal, knowledge is a part of the process. And that knowledge will benefit you in a global sense. Further, it leads to self-discovery, meaning that so often we don't look inside of ourselves. When you set a goal, you engage in self-discovery, meaning to look within to see what's there. Because when you're falling short or you're not engaging in the goal-aligned activities on a regular basis, you got to ask yourself, why? Why is that? Why would I rather be a loser again? Why am I not trying to be a winner? What mental blockage do I have? What am I scared of? What are the who are the people around me I am blaming for my failings and shortcomings? I, these are all I questions. Self-discovery is absolutely critical. And I promise you, there's no one around you that's making you fail. It's you. It's always been you. It will always be you. That's an empowering position because you are strengthened with the reality of, well, if I'm the one that's responsible for my success or failure, I'm in control and that's great. It's great that you get to be in control and you get to choose if you're going to be successful. And a part of that is mindset. In fact, all of that is mindset. 
And mindset lets you live in the present. Sometimes we get stuck in the past. Oh, oh man, I lost $900,000 or COVID-19 ruined my business. Whatever the complaint is, guess what? You're lucky because that's in the past. You lost $900,000 in the past. COVID-19 ruined your business in 2020. It's 2021. April, is it 17th? Yes. That's where you should be living mentally, which means none of your failings, none of your problems, none of your misdeeds matter today. But here's the kicker. None of your successes matter today either. You have to go put more new points on the board. That is your daily challenge. That's why it's important to write up a goal so you can put some more points on the board because you're, when you win, you need to know you've won. And as I started with, pursuing the wrong goal is better than having no goal and pursuing the wrong goal leads to the right goal. For example, when I was inexperienced in my youth, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. Thank God I didn't become a lawyer. Not my thing. But in the pursuit of becoming a lawyer, going through the grueling schooling and passing all of the tests and getting accepted into top law schools, well, through doing all of that, it helped me find the right goal in pursuing the wrong goal. But the key is being a listener, being a listener of yourself and how you feel like, wow, am I enjoying this? Should I persist with this? Now, remember, am I enjoying this? Now, joy is a funny thing because sometimes you have to engage in tedium and drudgery on the way to achieving something you really want. So am I enjoying this is a big question, not of just this one process, but the whole thing. Will I enjoy this job? But also you need to ask yourself, well, what is the outside world telling me? Not of average people who don't understand genius, but what is the average, excuse me, what is the outside world of intelligent people, of accomplished people? How about this? Of people who have what I want, what are they telling me? How can I profit by that advice? And use those things to put you on the right track. I heard from a law professor that being a lawyer was not the move. I heard from a millionaire partner in a law firm in Los Angeles doing what I wanted to do. Black man, wealthy, married, had everything. Told me law is not the way to go. He said, become a businessman, get an MBA. Quote, and I remember this from when I was 16 years old, there are easier ways to make money. End quote. Wow. And yes, I followed that. Because I said, he has everything I want. And this is what he's telling me not to do. There's some wisdom here. Write your goal. Write it down. Review it daily. Rewrite it daily. Me, I like to write it in different words so it comes back to life each time. Each time I pin it in a different phrase or when you're pursuing something and you're gaining knowledge, you can actually make your goal a little more precise because you understand things better. For example, if you start with the general goal of I am going to produce a running shoe, as you begin down that path and gain knowledge and meet people and have experience, your goal will become more acute from create a running shoe to create a 
zero drop running shoe to create a zero drop barefoot running shoe with toe protection to create a zero drop barefoot running shoe with elastic strings to you see it gets more and more precise every day because you're making progress and your dream is coming out of the dream world into reality it's becoming more real and as it becomes more real it becomes more precise more vivid brighter sound and color you should be rewriting it every day more clearly yes and also you must emotionalize it because as human beings emotions drive us and remember it's the positive emotions that's been my discovery because the positive emotions give you confidence the positive emotions keep you inspired it's very hard to be productive when you're unhappy or when you feel down in the dump so it's those good emotions that you want to build up to get you going you understand so focus on those positive emotions and driving that and exercise is a major key to that so you will hardly ever be successful without exercising physical fitness physical health being the root of your mental fitness and mental health and also i don't want you to think of your physical fitness as a a timed bookend category what i mean by that is sometimes i'm engaging in my work day and my mind seems to freeze it, it just gets a little bit stuck almost like your computer when you're trying to do something and it just starts performing really slow when i notice my mind is not operating at peak i'll get down and do some push-ups or i'll do some curls or i'll start stretching and then it gets those ideas flowing again loosens the mind up so you really want to make sure that physical fitness is core because remember this the mind and the body are very much so connected this is not pseudoscience this is real hard fact and the evidence of that not taking care of your body affecting your mind do me a favor you go 18 hours without eating or drinking let me know how your mind holds up let me know how your emotions hold up after that not very well you must take care of these things in tandem there's so many of these gurus out there who have never achieved anything in life if their only achievement is youtube I wouldn't trust them because let's be real almost none of you watching this can be or will be successful at being a podcaster or a YouTuber it's just unlikely in today's era being a YouTube star is comparable to yesterday's era of being a celebrity well there are people who will have that reality but very few which is to say that you must find a way to be successful in a product based business that is a game we can all engage in and in fact just to the you know as i said you know i got these pink gorilla shorts on you did this is a product based business i'm very proud of the saints who have their product based businesses and that's why you often see me promoting their businesses and their products because i've had consultations with them i know them well i'm proud of them and i want to show love to those who show love to me stay focused on things that are possible for you so a product based business is possible for all of us and you can be very successful at that now as i said your favorite youtuber who's never been successful at anything but youtube well they got lucky or they started early or they're goofy or they're willing to put on a wig and be you know exciting but they usually serve you up hogwash or shall i say they serve you up some bull which is to say they're talking about metaphysics law of attraction all of these hokey things that don't add up to success 
you know, law of attraction is fantastic and imagining things is great. But what's better is writing that precise goal down, reviewing it daily, taking action on that goal every single day with no days off, asking yourself regularly how this behavior aligns with that goal and checking in on where you're coming up short. Yeah, that's what leads to goals. Well, how do you execute law of attraction? By having positive vibrations? No. What you need to do is once you get to work on two goals that are hyper clear on a daily basis, that's the whole ball game. We tend to make things complex. There's not a lot of magic to being successful. Being successful is about picking a goal that's real for you, something that you can actually achieve, something that's worthy of achieving. Not every goal is worth your time. I would never say do a service-based business because it doesn't pay well in the long term. You see, and keep it simple. Don't have 30 goals, have two goals. You don't need to meditate and vibrate and pray all that. You need to get to work. Meditation's fine. But that's what I want you to understand is that you need to be simple, be practical, simplify, get to work. Stop thinking, start doing. Better to do the wrong thing than to think the right thing. Thinking doesn't add up to anything. Next one is, what is the one next step? So you should always be asking yourself, you know, even if I have this goal of making $80,000 in five days, what's the one next step to do that? You know, making $80,000 in five days is a big thing to consider. But if I wanted to ask myself in the present moment, what's the one next step I'm going to do right now in this moment? I would say I first should probably write out a plan at this stage. That's the first thing. So you should always ask yourself, what's the one next step? And as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a boss, when I'm dealing with employees and I need to give them guidance to achieve a goal, I ask them, well, what's the one next step that you're about to do right now? That's what I'm fascinated with. I'm not fascinated with their 20-step plan. I'm not fascinated about what's going to happen in two weeks. I'm fascinated about this one moment right now. What are you going to do right now, this one next step? Let's talk about that and then let's get to work on it. Let's talk about it briefly. Let's get to work on it intently. Identify behavioral patterns, namely the ones that are not working for you. We all get into a place of comfort where we do the same things on a regular basis. After all, you're not going out learning new things all the time, right? You didn't go out today and say, I'm gonna learn how to fence. I've never fenced. I'm gonna learn how to crochet. I'm gonna learn how to play cricket. No, you didn't do that. You went and played basketball because you've been playing basketball since you were eight years old. Ask yourself, what are the behavioral patterns that are leading to failure? What you can do is ask yourself, what's the one next step I can do to start moving away from this unfortunate behavior? And that's what you should do. Identify the behavioral pattern that is consistently leading you not to have success. Whether it's behavioral patterns and choosing the wrong woman to deal with or as a woman choosing the wrong man to sleep with. What is that behavioral pattern? What's one thing you're going to get started on today to do differently so that you don't keep leading to the wrong outcome? Like, for example, one of my big issues is I don't spend money on myself enough. I don't spend money on myself enough in the right way. I would like to allocate capital outside of business ventures just for, you know, self maintenance and self love. Like that's one of my big goals. 
and I've not had a behavioral pattern of doing that. And so I should ask myself, you know, what is the behavioral pattern that has led me to not doing that? It's over-investing solely in business stuff. So what's the one thing I'm going to do not to do that? Okay, well, maybe I'll make a rule to spend first on myself and then the surplus or the other money I'll spend on business. It's a radically different mentality because I spent the last decade trying to be successful in business. And so I've been developing a behavior pattern of always focusing and prioritizing business. Now I'm in a different stage of life, so I need to behave differently to achieve different goals. That's the kind of self-examination and introspection that you must engage in for change. Here's another tip. Sometimes you need radical change. Sometimes it's scary, but you should embrace it. For example, you know, we all have these patterns we're engaging in. You know, one of my patterns that's about to be shaken up is that um, you know, we have uh, one of the saints coming in, we're gonna spend a month, and we're just gonna grind out doing work to build the SaaS because this community is very important to me and I want it to be a real you know, a haven for you know, geniuses, people who want to come together with like-minded folks to, uh, you know, improve themselves, but also make the society greater. And we're going to work intensely on that for a month. And I've never turned my back on business and worked intensely on a philanthropic pursuit for a whole month. So there's a lot of fear there. There's a fear of going broke, which is not a realistic fear, right? Because that can't happen in the space of a month or a month and a half but it's still a fear. And that's why dealing with mindset as a human being is important. And so here's another tip for you. Always ask yourself this question. What would I do if I wasn't scared? What would I do if I wasn't scared? Great question to ask yourself. That will lead you to the promised land. Especially if you're a religious person, then you should really only fear Allah. You should only fear God. But we know rarely is that the case, right? But always ask yourself, what would I do if I wasn't, fear, uh, wasn't scared? If I was Rambo, what would I do? Another important thing is sleep. Yeah, sleep. I've had days where I was just working so hard, thinking so hard, grinding, as you guys call it. No longer do I like to grind. I like to glide, you dig. I'm always asking myself, how can I do this the smooth player way? But there have been many times in life I've grinded. And at the end of those days, you know, I just kept working when I should have been sleeping. It turns out that, you know, five hours of sleep is far more valuable than five more hours of unfocused, lazy brain, half ASS work. So what I mean is when you've worked hard enough for that day, give your body what it needs, which is rest and sleep. And in actual fact, as I became mature, you know, being on top of the foundation of past success, I became more comfortable sleeping, which is easier to sleep when you know you can sleep after having been successful in life. But what I found is that when I would come to a point where my brain stopped producing, where I was too tired, and I went to sleep for however many hours is appropriate for me, which is about five, when I pop up, I have the answers, or I pop up, I got the energy, or I figured something out, or I have a new approach, or I feel rejuvenated to go back into war. The worst advice you will hear on the internet is mostly from liars, and I'll tell you why I know they're lying. They hashtag team no sleep. Now you guys are sleeping. I know because I require far less sleep than the average person. I know this having lived in many cities, having been around many people. In South Korea, we had beds in the office, literally. There were two sets of bunk beds, one for male, one for female. 
I observe everyone else's sleeping habits. Teach for America. During the Summer Institute, there were very little time for sleep. I did it just fine. There was only one other person from all these Ivy League schools out of the 300 or so people. His name was Andrew Coyce, a guy from Alaska. He's my roommate. Only other guy who could match me on the sleep schedule. When I was at Berkeley, it was finals times and people were grinding during finals. They'd be using coffee, which I've never drank, and it doesn't work um, because I've observed people crash on coffee. But they'd be in the library sleeping. I say this to say most people need eight hours of sleep. I know for a fact. I've watched them. You need eight hours of sleep. Get eight hours of sleep. Team no sleep is the, the worst team to be on. I only need five, but I need five. You dig? Like, not getting five is a problem. There will be times in life where you got to go 36 hours. You got to go 48 hours. Do it when it must be done. But if it mustn't be done, get your sleep. The sleep is critical for so many of the genius processes going on in your brain. Also, here's a great tip, which lines straight up with sleep. It's get up when you wake up. Get up when you wake up. Me, I don't really wake up from alarms. You know, I wake up like, okay, it's a new day. Let's get it. I generally wake up before my alarm. When you wake up, get up, meaning get out of the bed, get to work. The other day, man, I must have woke up at 4.30 a.m. I got up and I was working by 5 a.m. You dig? 4.30 a.m., I'm up. 5 a.m., I'm working. Hell, by the time people get out of the bed at 10 a.m., I had a whole workday finished. You dig? Get up when you wake up means your bed is not a hangout spot. Your bed is for sleeping. When you condition your mind around the concept of your bed being for sleeping only, when you get in the bed, you're out. When you wake up, you're out of the bed. You see, conditioning your mind that everything has a place and a time will help you perform better. Further, get up when you wake up allows you to get straight to work and not to waste any time because thinking, well, thinking is actually the enemy. You want to be more a doer than a thinker. When you're laying in bed awake, not doing anything, you're thinking, which is wasting time. I'd rather be getting after it. And in fact, in consultations, I'm all about being practical. So for example, just yesterday, Zach came through in a consultation. He said, hey, Marquette, I got this possible deal on the line. This woman wants me to send her a proposal. Can you help me out with the proposal? Give me some advice. I was like, bro, you don't need no advice. We need a proposal. Let's do it now. Within 10 minutes, we finished a highly professional, multicolor, beautiful proposal with pricing and an agreement for this woman. And by the end of that 10 minutes, he was a, I emailed it to him. He's like, bro, this is perfect. I was like, Grant, Excellent. Let's get on to the next topic of your consultation. I say that to say I'm all about practicality because I really want you to be successful. I want you to be wealthy. I want more wealthy friends. I want to make millionaires. That's exciting for me. Um, and let's be real here. You need things that are specific to you. And that's why the consultation is great to have the one-on-one -on -one opportunity. Uh, you can book a consultation. There's a link in the description, marquettism.com. You just click schedule consultation or you can become an emperor on patreon.com slash the saint in the center. To answer your question, how do you gauge um, customer demand for a product? Well, it's a little bit deeper than that. Consider this first. Uh, there may be customer demand for products, but the real question is, can you access that customer base? 
So when I go through consultations, there's like about a 25 slide presentation I do for my product-based businesses where I take you through the whole thinking so that you can really understand how to access markets. People generally think of developing a product, conventional wisdom says, identify a problem that the customer has and solve the problem. Well, that's all fantastic. If you create a great product that solves a problem for an individual or for a business, theoretically, you could sell it to that individual or business, but they've forgotten the fact that you might not have access to that individual or business, or you might not know how to market to penetrate and get that individual or business to change over from what they're currently buying to what you're selling. That's number one. Uh, number two, a, a short tip on gauging customer demand, demand for an existing product is use the largest marketplace in the world, which is Amazon.com. You type in the search query that the end user or customer would type in and you look at the number of reviews. And here's another tip for you that I give to my folks in my one-on-one -on -one consultations, which is for every one uh, customer review on Amazon, that's about 12 sales. So if someone has 100 customer reviews, well, they probably have about 1,200 sales. So that'll give you some indication of customer demand. And I have a lot more tips and tricks that we can talk through. So he said, one, how do you gauge customer demand for a product? And then he also said, you know, calculating four-month profitability. You don't want to think that grand. You never anticipate success in a business. Business is quite a difficult pursuit, which is why I tell you to get expert help in consultation because... You know, most businesses are not successful. You really need a lot of practice. And when you're thinking about profitability or projections, financial projections, pro formas, you really don't want to try to project out very far when you have zero sales because you're imagining things. What you really want to be conscious of in the early stage of a business is number one, what are my inputs? What are my fully loaded expenses? You know, what does it cost me to produce the product, to pay for the taxes, to pay for the import taxes and duties? Uh, what does it cost me to ship to the customer? What are they accustomed to paying? Uh, what should my pricing strategy be? What is my profitability? What is my long-term strategy? You want to think more strategy and you want to think cost of inputs and profitability, but you don't want to think about four-month profitability because you currently have zero-day profitability. You've not sold anything. So once you start making your initial sales, that's when you can start developing those numbers. Jeremy comes through prosperous. 50 bucks writes pro level advice, not like the other YouTubers. I appreciate you acknowledging that. And you know, the, what they're able to give in the way of advice is merely an expression of what they've been able to do in the real world. You know, sitting in front of a camera compared to the things I've done in real life is the easiest thing I've ever done. You know, I feel like I've earned the right to sit here and give advice because I've done so many things. You know, I've lived in so many places. I've lived in Los Angeles and Hollywood and St. Louis, Missouri, Springfield, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois, Illinois, Baltimore, Maryland, Petoskey, Michigan, uh, Pungyo, South Korea, Seoul, South Korea, San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Covington, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Ohio. And I can name so many more places. And that level of experience is such a rare thing. And having put myself through paces, I feel confident to be able to tell you what life is really like, what the real world is really like, what business is today, what it has been yesterday, what it will be tomorrow, because I have enough experience. And conversely, I find it criminal that you have people who are 25 years old but would purport to give advice to others. 
At 25, you don't understand the world for the most part. Uh, you should be humble enough to know that you don't know. Even at my age, I know there's still a lot of the world I don't understand, but where I excel most everyone I've met is that you know, I've lived way more places. I've done business in so many places and at high levels in foreign countries. And so because of that, I feel good in being able to impart wisdom because wisdom doesn't come from age. It comes from experience. I'm not saying the age of 25 limits your ability to give wisdom. I'm saying the experience that you probably have at 25 limits your ability. And so I just want you all to be thoughtful of you know, when you get advice from someone who's giving you advice they received, that's low quality. There's a difference between a boxer who can give you advice on boxing because they used to box versus someone who's just watched a lot of boxing. You see, when you used to box, you know what things feel like. You know what it feels like to take the punch. So when the guy comes back to the corner and you're the trainer now, you know when it's time to tell him like, hey, bro, we're going to throw in this towel. You can't keep going. I know I've been in your situation or the boxer comes back to the corner. And they're like, hey, man, I got to quit. Like, I can't do it. My jaw's broken. You're like, nah, you're good. I fought four rounds with a broken jaw and won the fight. Get back in there. You're not quitting. This is the this is the right moment. I know I felt this way. You got more gas. Keep going. Get advice from those who really know. You only know if you feel it, if you've done it. So. Thank you for acknowledging that. That means a lot. We have someone said Cincinnati in the building. Yiddy. <laughs> shout out to Bronner. He's a wild boy, but shout out to Cincinnati. I used to live in a OTR. So if you're really from Cincinnati, I know you, you know what that is. I always look for urgency. That's the chief trait of the successful person, meaning they want to get started. They want to get to work. So often when things don't get done, people are overthinking. They're procrastinating. The true winner is urgent and they're consistent. Anytime I can find those two traits, I know I'm dealing with a winner. Travis writes, greetings from Mr. Highway. How do you decide between conflicting goals? Well, this is curious. I feel that something is calling me to a life of solitude and prayer like John the Baptist, but something within me would also like family one day. I'm currently working toward the former. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, things do have time limits on them. So number one, family, I don't know your age, but you know, if you're 40 and you wanna pursue a life of solitude for 50 years, that would leave you at 50, you know, having a new child, which is probably a little less than ideal, but it can still be done for a man. So your goals are not necessarily conflicting, but surely you wanna think of them in terms of time. You know, how much time do I have to, be a man in the woods and then how much time and how many options does that leave me for building a family following that i don't have the kind of life where my daily tasks are the same so there are some things that you write in black and there are some things that you write in gray the things that you write in black are the big things that are absolutely necessary the things that you write in gray are quotidian things that must be done and they kind of enable you to do the things written in black for example if my room or apartment or home is not clean well, that's going to challenge me with doing everything else because my mind won't be clear dr jordan peterson has a lecture where he talks about cleaning your room as the first step to success and he is right making your bed, cleaning your room is an important basic thing. 
you write it in gray. It's something that needs to be done, but it's something that you do to enable you to be successful at other more important things. So yes, I would recommend writing your task list or goal list every single day. I don't think it's useless. I, as I say, write it in different words each time and also be asking yourself like, are these things I need to do? Anytime you have a list of tasks, some of them are not going to get done and some of them should not get done. For example, in gray, I write that I want my home clean. That doesn't mean I'm about to clean it. That means I'm gonna hire someone else to do it. So it's not on my to-do list, it's on my to-get-done list. I make sure it gets done, but I don't do it. It's not worth my time. It's worth someone else's time and I'm willing to pay them well to do that. And people often ask me, Marquette, why don't you create a Facebook group or something like that for everyone to get together? And the truth is I'm very sensitive about quality. You know, I need people to be vetted, meaning when I connect saints, it's usually guys that I've had a consultation with. I talk to them one on one. I verify these are you know upstanding men. These are productive, ambitious people. You know, some people watch my channel for entertainment. Nothing wrong with that. But I really want to connect the ambitious, the truly saintly men with one another. And for that, I have to make sure everyone is legit stand up man before I start saying, hey, you connect with you, you. Hey. I just want to make sure everyone's honest and fair in their business dealings. And so because of that, we can't just be connecting people at random. Shout out to Adrian. He got his jump rope. Shout out to Joshua. Got his jump rope ordered. The link is in the description. Are you caught up on PayPal's? PayPal from Botic writes, Saint, I'm in the process of becoming a data analyst. This is good stuff. My goal is to work for three years to get experience and then start my own business. That's very wise. Always important to get practical experience before diving into the unknown. Instead of going the usual service-based route of consulting, what are some product-based goods I could create with my analytics skill set? Well, being able to analyze data gives you a good advantage in figuring out what's cutting edge or even bleeding edge in terms of consumer taste. So what I would do is use your skills of analysis to figure out what's on the horizon and I would create products around that. Now, there are a lot of simple ways to do that as well. I'll probably be going through some of these items at the conference. I often talk about this in the consultations as well. But the most important kind of product for you to create is a product that you use, a product that you understand, and a product where you can offer one of the four values, which is either invention, you're creating something that's never existed, number two, innovation, you're adding an improvement to an existing product. And by the way, I'm going to probably do a member-only live session where I go through product development in terms of innovation, showing you the simple way you can get started. So I'm going to do a whole live session, members-only for that. Um, and then the third one is quality competition, meaning you make a chair just like this one, except your chair is so much higher quality. It's like the finest leather. It's a massaging chair. It reclines. It's ergonomically designed. The quality is so much better, which means you're selling to a market that's luxury oriented, not price sensitive. And then the last um, area for development is price competition, which means you're duplicating existing products. You're creating the exact same thing that you know customers want, but you're doing it for lower cost so that you can get the customer base. So those are the different things that will drive product development. Mariano writes, 
what is your advice for getting stronger without losing flexibility and becoming stiff? And what are the best foods to put on lean muscle? Well, flexibility for a strong man is the same as flexibility for a um, guy who has less muscle, which is stretching, yoga. Um, those are the basics. You should be doing um, warm-ups, meaning don't go straight into stretching. You have to warm up the body and then start your stretching. You should stretch before, during, and after exercise. Uh, flexibility is true strength because if you have a lot of muscle but you don't have a range of motion, you're damn near handicapped, right? What are the best foods to put on lean muscle? Uh, filet mignon, that uh, A5, Wagyu, Wagyu, whatever the hell they call it. I don't like it because it, it's better rare and I like my meats well done. Um, the uh, salmon, you know, good meats that are high quality. If you have beef, even if it's ground beef, you should be paying attention to the lean and fat percentage. For example, when you buy ground beef, it might say 80% lean, 20% fat. You want to kind of be at the 90% or above. Um, it would have to be more on the lean side. Fish, salmon, sardines, tuna, those are good ways to go. Dylan writes, peace to the assassin. A little off topic, but I got a thing going with a woman for a few months. Okay, all right. She's, the, she's my main chick. She's not the only girl I'm talking to, but she's the main one. If you found out she had a one night stand with one of your friends a few months before you had a thing with her, how are you handling that? Are you cutting it off completely or keeping your unlimited association? Thank you, Saint. Well, surely all of the gentlemen on the call can agree that you know, that's uncomfortable and it is not preferred, but such is life. Unfortunate things happen. Never throw away an asset. If the lady has been an asset to you, she follows your program and is offering you value, then you really can't discount her from, for something like this in her past. It's not like she was cheating on you. However, all information is good information to have, which is to say intelligence gathered on the enemy or the person you're running strategy against is invaluable. So you now know another piece of this woman, which is that she has one night stands. And certainly that is not a piece of merit added to her character. Certainly it is a point or a strike against her character, but it is not the whole of her character. I would encourage you to dive deeper into the Dr. Phil process to uncover who she is. You know, sometimes we move a chick into the main woman category when really she's a really good solid girl uh, solid side girl you understand this side girl is not a low designation side girl that girl could be perfectly loyal you hear me she could be a very loyal woman she just has some things that are against your non-negotiables so you always want to be mindful of is she in the right category i'm not saying she can't be a main girl because she had a one night stand with your buddy that's not true she could be a perfectly fine main girl and you could evolve this into a lifelong thing. But you really want to dig into that Dr. Phil process, especially if this one night stand thing, if this information came out late, meaning she knew that you were friends with Tommy and she never brought up, oh, hey, by the way, you know, me and Tommy, if she didn't bring that up off the rip, 
you really need to dive into the Dr. Phil process because that's not information you should stumble upon late in your involvement with her. If Tommy had to tell you or if it took a while for that to come out, that's problematic. But as of now, I'd say go ahead, maintain her as your main girl if she's offering you value and uh, engage in that Dr. Phil process to see what other skeletons are in that closet. It's the holy month of Ramadan right now. And, you know, Ramadan Mubarak to the Muslims who are fasting, not having any water or food from sun up to sundown. It's a very difficult thing. And I know that with the high levels of obesity within the Ummah, the Muslim population, there's no way that people live a life being obese and all of a sudden, they're going an entire month without having food or water during the sunlight hours. It's just not happening because if you don't have discipline in any other area of life, especially with regards to food, all of a sudden you're disciplined. No, you're going in to you know make wudu for prayer and you're washing your hands and drinking some of the water out of the sink when no one's looking. I know, I know the hearts of men. So what I'm trying to do with this challenge is I want it to be possible. We were initially, I kid you not, going to do 30 for 30. And then I was like, Marquette, that's crazy. 20 for 20. And then I realized, well, 20 for 20 is actually kind of crazy too if you're starting from the beginning. So it's 15 for 15. And it doesn't have to be a continuous 15 minutes. You can make mistakes. In fact, you can, you know, do a little something for five seconds or 10 seconds to loosen up or what have you. But the goal is that you're attempting to keep that rope turning for 15 minutes. It's 15 for 15 because it might take you 15 days to get up to that. And so this is going to be our first iteration. And we want to make sure that people are doing it for real.